This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Hey, my friend, welcome to another episode of the show. Before we get started, I want to personally invite you to sign up for my free five-day Get Focused Challenge. Give me five days and I will teach you simple strategies on how to be more focused so you can be more productive. You can either click the link in the show notes or go to mrproductivity.com. Click the banner at the top of the page. Either way, sign up for the five-day Get Focused Challenge. It's my gift to you and it will be worth your time. Dave McCune helps individuals, teams, and organizations achieve excellence by doing the ordinary things extraordinarily well. He is the CEO of Outfield Leadership and author of the Amazon bestselling book, The Self-Evolved Leader. Elevate your focus and develop your people in a world that refuses to slow down. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for having me. You know, we were having a great conversation. I said, you know, we probably should record a podcast. So I decided to hit the record button because Dave's got the same amount of energy I have. So a uh, word to the wise, you may not want to listen to the show on anything other than 1x speed because we both have a lot of energy and we both talk real fast and you won't understand what we're saying. So some of my shows, Dave, they actually have to listen on 0.5 speed because I can really start talking really fast because I just love what I do. So yeah, it's awesome. And then tie in my slightly weird Northern Irish accent that's somewhat been uh, Americanized and, and that just adds to the confusion. So you went from Ireland to the beaches of California. I did. How did that not, happen? Not 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 directly. Um, it was, you know, as anything in life, uh, a bunch of zigzags. Uh, I grew up in Ireland all my life uh, until until just after high school. Went to college in Scotland, started my career in England, uh, and then in about 2013, moved over, first of all, to Massachusetts, uh, joined the family business, which was a consulting company at the time. Uh, and uh, about a year or so into that, uh, had met a wonderful girl who is now my wife, and we decided we wanted to move to slightly warmer climates. We had uh, uh, been fed up digging out our cars in the New England winters, and so we just <laughs> headed west until the sun shone an appropriate number of days in the year. I lived in Rochester, New York until July of 1997 when I was 33 years old. I said, I am done with the blizzards and the snowstorms. And by the way, if you're not from a northern climate, you think snowstorms and blizzards are the same things. They're not. Until you've lived through a blizzard, you don't know what a blizzard is. But I, I've been down here in Houston since 1997. I love the heat. I'm a daily runner, and it's really difficult to run when yep. it's a blizzard outside. So I don't have that problem because I could run outside here outside my home. It just got to a point where I was like, why do I live in a place where there is a chance that my face will hurt when I go outside? I'm like, there are plenty of other places in the world to live. Let's go somewhere where your face doesn't hurt. I love that. And I do. I really dig in your accent because I'm one of these weird Apple people. You and I were talking about Apple before we started recording. And I have the Australian Siri on my phone. And it really freaks people out when they come to my home and, you know, I tell the HomePod to play something and they're like, what's wrong with your phone? I'm like, what's wrong with your phone? My phone sounds fine. I really want an Irish accent, but the one they have on the phone doesn't sound like you. It doesn't have that really thick accent. And so I go back before, back and forth between the British and the Australian okay. accent. I just, I'm weird like that. Uh, I wish they'd had more ag accents because it's kind of fun. 
And do they throw in like isms? Like, does the Australian one say "good day, mate," and the British one, you know, is awfully proper, or do they just, you know, just speak with that accent? It just speaks with the accent. I don't think they throw in the isms. Although that would be really cool to to do that, you know. But, yeah. but they, well, I, you know, I'll volunteer if Tim Cook's listening. I'll volunteer to to record the the, Ari- the next Irish version of of Siri. More than happy to. do Oh that. yeah, well yeah, Tim Cook is is uh, he's one of my biggest listeners. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so we are going to have a very dynamic conversation because what you told me when you told me, um, I just said told me twice. That was kind of weird. That that listener is because I am looking up in live time to make sure I don't get the guests mixed up. So you did tell me that you have, uh, you begin to emerge from malaise of the last year. The malaise of the last year. I don't think anyone's ever said, Mark, I want to come on your show and talk about the malaise of the last year. So congratulations on that. And, you know, the way I look at it, when this rude visitor named COVID-19 happened, there was a fork in the road. Hmm. Half the people estimated, this is not an official estimation here. Half the people said, oh, no, I'm going to sit home. I'm going to be a hermit. I'm just going to watch Netflix. I'm going to catch up on all my shows. And then there are other people who said, you know what? This is a good opportunity for me to grow my podcast, my YouTube channel, to write my book, to make a trillion dollars like Jeff Bezos and Amazon to pivot. So let me ask you, let's start here. Why do you think when that happened, some people went to the, I'm just going to sit here and be lazy until this malaise finishes. And other people said, this is a tremendous opportunity for me to grow. Why, why do you think that happened? I, th- I think for... For some people, it was, well, we've got to follow the science on this. I mean, it was such a brand new thing that was emerging, evolving, and was like, we have no idea what this is. And funny enough, actually, one of the things that I thought wasn't quite right was initially when everything happened, those those leaders that turned up and, and said, you know what, we've had crisis before, we've been through crisis, we'll get through this. And it's like, yeah, been, none of us have been through anything like this unless you were around in the, you know, during the Spanish flu. Um, and so I would say there was actually a group in the middle that were like, let's just wait to see how this plays out and how the science plays out. Um, I, I, I think that as then folks began to get a hold on what was going on, there, there was this movement towards, okay, well, what can I control? You know, there are cer- certain things in my business and how I show up that I can control and, and, and where are the areas that I can, that I can push against. Um, and I think that those business leaders that said, look, we've got to, we've got to ensure the safety of our people. We've got to ensure the safety of our customers. And we've got to also, also got to figure out a way to get through this. We can't just not do anything um, and started noodling at the edges were the ones that at least tried to be on the front foot of it all as it came out. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, I think that there, those, those leaders that turned up with a degree of vulnerability that said, hey, we've never seen anything like this. Let's, let's at least get together and, and plan out some scenarios here were the ones that probably emerged better and more strongly. I have been working from home since July, 2005, when I was fired from my corporate job. And so it really, COVID didn't really affect me that much. I mean, I lost some clients because they lost their jobs and that kind of thing, but I just kept showing up. I kept doing the podcast. I kept showing up on social media, kept creating um, content for my, my clients. I kept showing up for my coaching clients. I still had, 
And I think that I was prepared because I was already working from home. Now, if you were someone that worked in the corporate environment and then they said, oh, you have to go home and work at home for you know six months to a year. We don't know when you come back in the office. Those people really had, I would think, and let me know if you disagree with this, have the biggest struggle because they were used to going to an office, working in their office, parking the same parking spot, taking lunch at the same time. Now they're in this new environment. They're like, uh, what do I do now? I mean, can I do the laundry while I'm at work? And there's all these kind of things that going around. And I think those people struggled most. Do you agree with that? Oh, definitely. And, and at the end of the day, those people are the end clients of the work that I that I did and do. So I, I saw it firsthand. I mean, folks like you and I, through you know the the choices that we made or didn't make, whether we were fired or 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 made a choice to go start out on our own. But ultimately, folks that had that benefit of working from home. It wasn't as much of an adjustment. Like, you know, for my wife and I, we share a small office. She works for a virtual company. The biggest thing that happened was I wasn't traveling as much. But for those leaders that I was talking to, I mean, can you imagine running a multi-thousand person firm and, and just being told those people can't come to the office? We've got to figure out a way to, mm. to get them engaged with what we're doing. And then can you imagine, as you said, somebody that maybe has two or three kids, maybe they've got a couple of dogs, both, both them and their partner are now both at home. You don't have an office space. You're like pitched up on the dining room table and somebody's out off the you can hear each other's phone calls like for us like working from home is just such a natural thing we're just like we'll just assimilate another thing into it but it's got to be such a massive shock for for for, for some people you know mm. so we are beginning to see the end of this pandemic which i i don't think anyone's going oh man it's ending already maybe if you are getting a lot of government money and you get to binge watch a lot of Hulu and Netflix and Apple TV plus, maybe it'll be a bad thing. But I think 99.99% of the people are saying good riddance. Let's get back to normal. Let's go back to movies. Let's go back to sporting events because this was a shock of our lives, but I see some people are emerging stronger and some people are a little more skeptical. I see people on social media. They're like, what about the next pandemic? Well, what about the asteroids going to hit the earth? What about if we explode? The earth explodes. You can't live your life like that. You got to live your life. Well, let me rephrase that. You don't have to live your life with a positive attitude. I choose to live my life like Tigger from Winnie the Pooh, or you can like Winnie the Pooh. I, I want, I don't want to be an Eeyore. I want to be someone that says, hey, listen, I wake up every day. If this is my last day or I have 10,000 more days left, I'm going to show up and serve whoever I can the best I can because I love what I do. But I think some people, they live where maybe they don't have goals. They have no desires, no aspirations, and they don't have the passion of living like you and I have. Hey, you listening to the Mark Stuchowski podcast. Thank you so much for doing so. I really appreciate it. But are you a Mark Stuchowski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter, and you can sign up right now by going to mrproductivity.com. M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com. I, I mean, I I take a similar perspective to life as 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 you do, Mark. In that, I try my best to control the deck of cards that I've been dealt, and I've also, I think, over the last eighteen months, 
learn to be a little bit more compassionate and empathetic to folks that are that are dealing with with genuine trauma and for a lot of people the last the last 18 months was a traumatic experience yes. and and do i hope that at one at, at some point they get to emerge from that and 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 emerge stronger absolutely does that mean that they have to do it right now maybe not you know but people need a little bit of time to to get through that themselves i it's funny as I, as the older that i get i used to be so impatient with people that i felt that weren't making you know positive choices for themselves immediately like you know pick yourself up and make this better for yourself and the more that i just talk to people people you know some people will never get there and that's okay you know that's fine but honestly some people and i've had people in my life who have been struggling with with certain issues for a couple of years before all of a sudden something clicks and then they're you know they're happy and they're motivated and i'm like that's awesome could you have done that 2 years ago maybe not maybe you, maybe they needed to go through that and and so long i think as we're we're it's sort of got to be a a little bit of a diametric perspective we've got to we've got to appreciate and understand the power of self motivation and and we've got to be able to meet people where they are, um, love them for the who they are, try to encourage them to to, to move forward and, and to make choices for themselves that are going to hopefully benefit them for themselves, but also not blame people for the trauma that they've been through. Yeah, I, I believe uncertainty is a gift of life. I would never want life that is certain 24-7, 365. I think that would be boring if you knew exactly when the FedEx driver was going to show up at your house, if you knew exactly right. what when the all the lights are going to turn green that would be it'd be exciting for the first you know day two maybe a week but after a while it's like this is kind of boring everything's going my way and i think i've read a lot of books uh from authors robin sharma brendan Burchard, tony robbins etc that the growth comes when you're struggling that's when the mm. growth comes and i think people i know some people i see on social media they fear the suffering now I'm not mm -hmm. talking about suffering like you're going through some cancer for like multiple years. I'm saying if if you lose a client or COVID happens or you lose your home because you lost your job, well, you can sit there and suck your thumb and cry and blame the world or you can say, "Okay, what can I learn from this situation?" Because I got news for you. Uncertainty is a part of life. Matter of fact, I remember a Bible study teacher I used to have. He said, "You're I I love when he said this. You're either coming out of a trial, in a trial, or uh-oh, about ready to enter a trial. That's right. the cycle of life. Spring is followed by summer, which is followed by fall, which is followed by winter. And everyone listening to this conversation, they're going to be in a different season of their lives. And right. I just encourage you to learn in every season you're in. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I 100% agree with you. And I think that that having that emotional awareness that says I am in a trial, you know, and I am being tested and, um, you know, to, to use a biblical story back at you, you know, if somebody had to come to Jesus two days out whenever he was out in the wilderness and say, come on, man, you've been here for two days, get yourself together. You know, you got to get out of here, you know, for, for whatever reason, he's, you know, he said it's 40 days. And, and and sometimes I think that we we on the other side, we meet people who are in the middle of their trial and we want them to be at the end so much that we don't allow them the time to learn the lesson and you know to, to, to share a little bit of a, a vulnerable story when in in my line of work the majority of the income that i made was in in face-to-face -face client interactions and even before the stay-at-home orders started to get called i had event after event after event canceled and i remember saying to friends i was like this is a big deal and they, they were like no nah, it's not and i'm like no it is like i just for whatever reason my line of work was right on the cusp of it and whenever the 
the official stay-at-home orders came down. I remember lying in the fetal position one night with my wife saying, "There, like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to change this. All of this has been cancelled. There is no more money from any of this. And it took me a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of months to just get that, to, to understand what was happening, to learn the lessons that I needed to, 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 um, to get a plan of action to emerge from it stronger. And I believe in so many ways I am um, actually um, a stronger human being, stronger individual. I'm better at what I do as a result of the last 18 months. But if you had met me one week into that, we could have easily just said, well, Dave, you got to pick yourself up. And it's like, well, I had to go through the trial. I had to learn the lessons. So let's encourage our, our, our sisters and brothers when they're in a difficult time. Hey, what, are, what is the lesson that you're learning? How can I support you? What are you hoping to work towards? Look, you don't need to do it at a pace that is, is, is appropriate for me. You got to do it at your own pace, but let's, let's start working towards, you know, a game plan for, for you. And, that would be my perspective. But yes, to your original point, we've always got to be looking for that lesson. What what are we learning? How are we growing? How are we developing? How are we becoming a better version of ourselves? Yeah, you can't rush certain things in this world. Matter of fact, uh, to use an example doesn't deal with the crisis we're dealing with right now is I am trying to grow my YouTube channel. I had a guest on my show about three weeks ago. And they reminded me that YouTube is the second most popular search in, engine in the world. And they're married to the number one search engine in the world. And they said, you need to be big on YouTube. And I'm like, I had a YouTube channel. You know, it's got cobwebs and dust on it. I started to say, okay, I'm going to go really deep on YouTube. I'm going to learn the platform. And so I went out and bought a book from a guy named Daryl Eves. He's one of the biggest uh, YouTubers out there. And in the book, he says, look at this is the long game. You're not going to read this book, even if you could read it one day and all of a sudden you've got millions of views and millions of subscribers. It's now how it goes. It's the long game. And when you're improving your mental health, your, your, whatever your physical health doesn't matter. You've got to be committed to the long game. And the problem is we live in a microwave society. We think, Hey, snap out of it, feel better. Well, no mm. pandemic is a really big deal and mm. you just don't snap out of it. Now, Maybe because I'm callous, it really didn't bother me that much. I still ran every day. You know, I just, it didn't because I looked at it like, okay, how is this, how is the pandemic affecting me right now at this very moment? And I could still serve my clients because I do everything online. I could still post on social media. I could still interview guests. And I'm like, so I could choose to watch the news and get all freaked out and get tense and get stressed out. Or I can say, I'm not going to pay attention to that. Instead, I'm going to figure out what I can do every day to help other people. And mm -hmm. I think that's one of the reasons why my attitude is so much better because I was not focusing on all that was going wrong. I was focusing on what I can do. Another example is like everyone got lost their mind over the last presidential election in the United States. And I'm like, does what you do every day granularly really affect who's in the White House? And 99.9% .9 of the chance, it's zero. It doesn't matter if it's Biden or Trump or 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 Obama or Bush, I still have to show up and do my work every day. But people would lose their minds, whether your guy won or lost. And I'm like, but that's not allowing you to serve your clients because you're all wrapped up into negativity. And, and the longer you're wrapped into something wrapped up into something like that. And I, I'm sure you agree with this, Dave, it's going to take you longer to, to unwind yourself. So don't expose yourself to that. Expose yourself to people who are going to encourage you. 
Right. Well, I mean, it's funny. So I say this as somebody that follows political uh, politics quite closely, but following politics and the the day to day news, I I feel to see how it makes anybody a better person. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like honestly, like it doesn't change your your behaviors. All it does is 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 forces you more and more, unfortunately, into extreme positions. And um, you know, actually working on being a better person, serving the people in your community, showing up with heart and purpose and all of that. You don't get that from sitting watching Fox or CNN or MSNBC or OANN or any, any you know, cable news channel, even Twitter or Facebook, all of that. It's just, it is a, it is a short-term ego endorphin burst that we all get because the news cycle is just so addictive in that way that we could all do without you know quite frankly and um are there important issues of the day that need to be tended to absolutely are there tough conversations about the direction of the country that we're going in and and quite frankly the species a hundred percent is um getting stuck into a facebook argument with a second cousin twice removed about one thing or the other the way to do it definitely not i think that it, it it's a way in which we're able to feel like we're being part of that broader conversation without really doing anything about it and that's the, the that's the shame like honestly if 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 somebody's listening and they really do want to make a difference and they are frustrated about the political perspective well, let's turn off the news go go start volunteering go start working at a local political level like actually do something but the vast majority of us unfortunately don't we just sit around stroke our beards have our have our discussion and and it doesn't really solve anything um so so i think there's an overarching theme of what you said which is look control what you can control and don't worry about the rest now to to your point and again for you and i there was a lot that we could control and our lives didn't have to change that that much and i am grateful and thankful for a whole bunch of stuff including some of the choices that i made for a great deal of people there was a lot of stuff their control was just taken right out of their hands it's like go home you know deal with deal with this new work environment and by the way we don't know how long it's gonna gonna last for and and particularly for leaders who i work with um the biggest discussion was how do i help the people in my team who are feeling anxious or nervous or uncertain or a little worried or overwhelmed you know they're having to deal with new technology we're having to collaborate in new ways we're not in the office whilst how do i do that whilst at the same time maintaining my own you know good perspective and and um and my own morale and that was a tough thing and it continues to be tough i think that the last 3 months for a lot of leaders there's there's been an exhaustion of just a relentless um, push to ensure that we're managing the crisis of the day to day, and it sucked a lot of leaders and teams into runway level. And one of the big things that I think we have to start doing is start recasting out of a, a, a set of goals or vision for the next two or three years, because we've all been so runway level over the last eighteen months because we've had to. But the problem is, it's that gets really addictive and you get really stuck in there. Does your to-do list have you overwhelmed? When you join my digital productivity coaching program, you'll learn how to get and stay focused, become untangled from the chaos of your to-do list, experience less overwhelm, and have time to do what you really want to do. Sign up today by clicking the coaching tab at mrproductivity.com. I love the question that you ask, and I don't think the listener really picked it up, so I want to make sure I, I highlight it here. If you're totally lost and you don't know what to do, I want you to go grab, and you know, I tell you about, tell you this all the time on the show, go grab a notebook, something to write with, go off someplace quiet, no TV, no devices, and write down at the top of the page, what can I control? And then once you write down all the things you can control, 
And then I want you to write down the things that you're thinking about you can't control. I think this exercise would really serve the listener because if they see it in their own handwriting, oh, these things I'm stressed about, I have no control over these things. So, but I can control these things. So I'm going to not worry about the things I can't control and focus on the things I can't control. I think if the listener did that exercise, I think it we because people keep things in their head. I think if they wrote it down and they saw it, I think maybe it would jar them into realizing what they truly can control and what they can't. Mm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. And I'll also say that there, there are some, you do this, it's a great exercise. You do it. There are some things that are just obvious that you can't control, like, you know, what the decisions being made at the G7 summit, you know, that's so far out, you know, I can't control that. Um, we do have a tendency, the closer we get into um, our true circle of control where we start to tell ourselves that there are things that we can't control and that might not necessarily be true maybe it was true six months ago maybe it was true a year ago but things have changed but our perspective hasn't changed i see this all uh, happen a lot um particularly in in corporate environments where folks are like well you know i can't change this situation with my boss or this situation with my coworker or you know i'll never be able to change the fact that i'm not going to get promoted and and all of that are are stories that we've told ourselves over time and and i i'm i'm constantly encouraging people when they do this exercise to take those things close to you and say is that still true is there at least a piece of that that you control you can control is there something that you can move towards so that it's that whole you know stephen covey circle of control circle of influence or things you might not be able to control but you can have influence over and as you push on that influence you begin to push out your ability to control things not that you'll ever be the master of the universe but you can be the master of your own universe you can push against the boundaries that that the, the worst thing that we can do is is put self self constrained boundaries in that exercise on ourselves I, I agree and i used to only talk about the news and the current events with my inner circle but now i've actually changed that and i'm like you know what i know you're in my inner circle but this is not going to help me and my mindset to be able to serve people so i've actually told people very close to me, like my wife, I said, look, I, I don't want to talk about this. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to talk about this because I know, even though I love and trust my wife, she tells me something she read on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, whatever the case may be. Now I hear it. And then my brain starts going, wow, you should go down that rabbit hole. What if that's serious? And then, then my mind spins out of control. So what I am very careful and I want the listener to consider this. How careful are you of what is influencing you? Because you're being mm -hmm. influenced all day long, whether you realize it or not, through ads, through social media, through other people. And if you are not careful and picking who is getting into your uh, inner circle, who's influencing you, you're going to be a wreck and you need to be very intentional. When I study the high performers, they don't spend a lot of time in the world of negativity. That's why they're so they're so um, successful because they operate in positivity. You, I've never, I don't know too many people I can name off the top of my head. I can't think of any who are super successful who got there being negative and just, you know, <laughs> focusing on what's wrong. Right, and there's also like I think that folks should take a influence. Um, inventory right and particularly the not just the voices that are influencing them but the horizons of focus that are there so um bear with me as i go through this if you think about um 
instantaneous feedback all the way to overarching patterns. You look at social media, you're basically being influenced on something that happened that day. Mm-hmm. Um, you then look at a news website. Well, so social media, something that's happened that minute. A news website, maybe something that happened that day. Uh, a newspaper, something that's happened over the last couple of days. Some sort of periodical like Time Magazine or The Week. Okay, we're looking into some more patterns in this month. Uh, then you look at journals that look at, at longer trends. And then you look at, you know, let's say things like biographies and his, historical um, uh, uh, books. This, the stuff that really, really, really matters are the longer term themes, like, like understanding how society emerges and grows and changes over time and the stuff that's happening. That's actually, I think, where you get true learning. You get to look back on, on what's happened. It's really hard to, to, to grow and develop and take lessons away from somebody's frustrated tweet or Facebook message or TikTok or IG story or whatever social network they're on in that moment. It's it's hard to dry, derive a true lesson from it. And so take an inventory, like what, what, not just who influences me, but at what level um, are they influenced me on, on trends and themes or are they influence me on whatever, you know, their, their, their current take of the day is and, and aim to, I'm not saying wipe out, you know, more short term, cycles of influence but get some stuff that's a longer term cycle of influence because the shorter term stuff it's just that endorphin it's 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 sort of it's fake it's it, it's sort of fake influence or or fake motivation it just it feels like i'm being motivated but you're not it's just like it's that short-term endorphin back in 1918 when the spanish flu was here they didn't know what was going on but now many many years later we can look back and go, oh, we see what happened. By the way, it didn't start in Spain. A lot of people don't know this. Here's your tip of the day. Back then, it was World War I days, and the United States blocked all that news. Spain was the first person that identified it and put the news, so it's called the Spanish flu. It actually started in Arkansas. Yep. But now we're so far removed over 100 years, and we learned lessons after, you know, after Spanish flu in you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years. We can look back and learn our lessons. Same thing's happening with COVID. Right now we're like, do mask work? They work. They don't work. Double mask, triple mask, 10 mask. Get vaccine. Don't get vaccine. You know, take six feet away, six yards away, six miles away. But as we get further on in this pandemic, then we're like, oh, this worked. That didn't work. This should have been done this because we can't see it because right now we're trying to fight a forest fire. But as we get further away from COVID, we're going to like, oh, now we're going to have a clearer picture. To your point, we're going to have a much clearer picture of what they told us to do that worked and didn't work because right now they're just trying to figure out as they go along. Yeah, for sure. And 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 <laughs> to the benefit of humanity, I don't know. Like the the access to information that we have makes that conversation feel way more rapid than it probably should be. And and you know, that's one of the things that you know, you got to give it to the scientists who are just trying to, you know, stay ahead of this. You know, when if they say one thing and then a bit of research comes out that says, "Oh, in literally in the last 2 weeks here's something we've discovered." And everybody goes, "Well, you must have been lying to us then before." It's like, "Well, know that that's just not how the world works and mm-hmm. and i think you're right we'll we'll see five years removed from now what worked what didn't work and uh i think the same is true in, in any any major um uh sociological political behavioral movement the the, the story is told in chapters and it, we're we're focused on sentences too often and, and it's like okay read to the end of the chapter and then get your your, your lesson that you've learned mm. 
I've never said this on my show before. I'm going to say it here because we were talking about COVID for a little bit. I have this theory, which I can never prove and nobody can prove because it's too late. I believe, and I'm not a scientist, by the way, I'm not any kind of ist. I want to be that very clear. I'm not an immunologist or any kind of ist, but I believe had we done nothing, in other words, no mask, no vaccine, no social distancing, if we would have stayed home when you were sick, instead of going to work, going to school, I think this thing would have burned out like a couple months after it started. That's my opinion, not backed by fact, but <laughs> the, the old the old rule was when you were sick, you didn't go to work. When you when you were sick, you didn't go to school. And people like, well, had the kid, I had to go to work, so kid, send my sick kid to school. And I think that's what people got used to doing. And then mm. COVID came along and said, hey, no, you can't go out when you're sick. And I think if we would have had that mentality that if you were sick, don't go to work, go to school, I think we would have been much better prepared. Now, again, I can't prove what I just said. That's just my gut feeling. And we can't ever go back and try it because we can't rewind the clock 18 months ago. <laughs> and, and wonderful way to set up. And therefore, there is no rebuttal to this um, this point because it's just an opinion. It can't be proved one, proved one way or another. <laughs> Sorry about that, Dave. Uh, I, I just, I've always wanted to say that in my show, and it just seemed like it was the right opportunity. So... Now, before we close, is there anything else that you wanted to share that's on your heart before, because you said you have something you want to give our listeners before we do that. Is there anything else on your heart that you wanted to share other than the non-existent rebuttal for what I just said? <laughs> I, I, I would say that if if anything's resonated with you in, in our conversation today and you are still feeling a degree of that malaise uh, and you're not quite sure what where you want to go from, try to try to cast your mind two years out and just create that picture of like, what, what do you want your life to look like two years out? And, and what are some of the small steps that you can take to get there? And, you know, we tend to try to bite off too much and we try and, and we try to tend to do everything. And when we try to do everything, we do nothing well. So pick one or two things, you know, and, and work on that and just try to get 1% better every day. And, and that'll stand you in good stead. I love that. So tell us more about where we can go find out about who you are, what what you're doing and and this gift that you want to uh, give my listeners uh if you go to davemckeown.com you can find all about me the work that i do um if you go to selfevolvedleader.com you can get the first three chapters i think of the book uh for free download uh take a read through it uh, and i hope you enjoy it excellent well i want to thank you and your spectacular iris accent for being the guest on the show today <laughs> thank you for having me mark really appreciate it Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stucheski podcast. Hey, are you a Mark Stucheski insider yet? This is my free email newsletter where I will send you value multiple times a week. And I promise you, every time I send an email out to my insiders, it always has value. So if you want to sign up, absolutely free. Just head on over to mrproductivity.com, M-I-S-T-E-R, mrproductivity.com.